Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And I have been doing these podcasts once a week for a number of years now, but during this time of the coronavirus, COVID-19, or more officially known as SARS-CoV-2, I decided until further notice to dedicate the Reasonable Voices radio program to reminders of how we Americans have weathered many hardships before and came through them stronger together. However, I want to stress this is not a happy talk show that will ignore or deny any realities. We are in a bind, and not just because of the coronavirus COVID-19. There are a number of major challenges that all of us living in this land of the free are having to deal with every day, some as new as COVID-19, but others that have been around for centuries. So that is why I invited my good Broadway film TV friend Avery Summers to return to our show today. She is an award-winning actress-singer whose voice has been called a powerhouse by the New York Times. Some of Avery's latest professional updates include directing the play-reading of the intersection of Lincoln and Parks. It's about Rosa Parks. It's going to be performed on Saturday, August 15th. Secondly, Avery is taping a video for the 100th anniversary of the League of Women Voters of Palm Beach County on August 27th, in which Avery will be singing, You're Gonna Hear From Me. Third, Avery's doing a video of My Showbiz Stories on August 15th. So, it is with great anticipation that I asked Avery Summers to pre-record on the Reasonable Voices on the second Monday of every month so we can see America, if not the world, as it is through the eyes of a successful, hard-working, and faith-driven survivor who happens to be an African-American female. And so it is with Avery Summers. Welcome back, Avery. How are you today? I am wonderful, and thank you very much for continuing to have me on to do what I call 
telling my truth. And uh, it's a very important part of what we are all going through right now uh, in our land to express our truth. And uh, this is a very good forum for so many people, and you're so generous to uh, invite me to be here today. Well, as you know, it's absolutely my pleasure, Avery. We've, uh, in the past, especially people who've listened to the show regularly, you've certainly heard Avery on the show a couple of times, and we've spoken primarily about her amazing career, as I said, on Broadway, on television, with uh, Burt Reynolds, on uh, a number of movies and, and uh, Broadway tours and whatever. And we're going to touch on that a little bit as we go. But today, our conversation really, I, I want to talk about the people on the ground, that's in quotes, as Avery refers to them, who are challenged by the powerful people who kill without fear of legal ramifications, the powerful in the media who only tell the big story, too often leaving out the unknown people or the people on the ground, who I believe Avery wants us to see and hear. So my first question, Avery, is is my assessment of your goals uh, correct regarding the people on the ground? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, it's a very important thing for our listeners and everybody who is interested in what's going on in our world today to understand that there are a lot of well-known people who will get the opportunity to express themselves and and to be heard but there are a lot of people a lot lot of people who have been on the front line quote unquote and we use that now quite a bit front line but truthfully on the front line doing the marches and doing the picketing who will never be heard of by name and then there are those people who have made some huge sacrifices and the first person that comes to my mind is the young lady who actually did the filming of the George Floyd murder and I, and I, I don't put that in quotes that's a murder and she filmed that. She's 17 years old. Her name is Darnella Frazier. And when I found out about her, I cried and my heart broke for her as well as for the incident and everything that happened because she is a child witnessing these kinds of things. She said she was simply going to the drugstore with a friend of hers. Mm when this whole incident began to happen and she stopped and told her friend, wait a moment, what's going on? I'm going to take out my camera and just film it. Mm. She had no idea that this was going to go viral or just exactly what was happening. Exactly what was happening. What did she actually, quote unquote, stumble into, Marcello? Yes. Whoever she is, she is a 17-year-old female who stood her ground and actually taped, using her phone, a murder that took place. And there must have been crowds of people with different opinion one way or the other. There must have been a lot of noise, I would think, too. And, of course, there were three policemen standing and one with his knee on George Floyd's neck. We should all be in awe that she took this video because 
it wasn't like it was a peaceful or or lacking a potential danger for her, right? And here's what she has said via her Facebook page. She said that people around her said to her, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you try to stop it? Hmm. Can you imagine someone saying that to her after she stood there frightened and at what no one else did that except her, you see. Nobody else took out their cell phones mm. to help her to witness this incident. Nobody ever said, let me leap in or jump in and help. Nobody did that, but they ridiculed her for what she did do as opposed to what was going on around them. And so they all stood there and they might as well have booed and jeered because they, she did something that they didn't have guts enough, quite honestly, to do. Mm. And it just makes my blood boil for this young girl who, who pretty much could have sacrificed her own life at yes. that moment because who knew? Exactly. Well, we are telling the world her name. She is on Facebook, Darnella Frazier. And we thank you, Avery, for bringing, giving her some bit of spotlight. I don't think the young lady is looking for fame. I think she, no. she, did, a, she did a courageous thing. This was heroic. And, uh, and we wouldn't know. Do you know that? We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know all of the reactions and protests and marches around the world might not have taken place had they not had this video proof. What do you think? And that's what she said. She said, I, I, in my response to those people who have ridiculed me and traumatized me, I simply say, you would not have known about this had I not done this. And, and unfortunately, this is just one of those moments. And we have captured this one moment in, in time of this kind of thing going on. And we know for a fact it has gone on. And even since then, so much more has happened. So yes. um, I, kudos to her. And I did want to say her name. Yes. All right. Excellent. And as I said in my intro, and as you, of course, know all too well, this is not the only incident like this. There have been many over the years, and, and ones we don't even think about because we forget, you know, 400 years ago, 300, 200 years ago, and even a declaration of independence that ultimately did not include people of color or women. And there's just so much. It, it, it's one of the, it's a beautiful prayer that says, and all those sins I've forgotten. I've hidden so long. I can't remember them. And we're going to talk about that. We're not trying to beat people down, but we do have to recognize, we need to recognize our faults so we don't repeat them because we keep brushing them under the rug. Nothing's going to happen. What about, for instance, if I may jump to someone else, uh, Brianna Taylor, a 26-year-old African-American emergency medical technician was mm -hmm. fatally shot in Louisville. Metro Police Department officers uh, Jonathan uh, Mattingly, Brett Hankinson, and Miles Cosgrove on March 13, 2020. Tell us why mm -hmm. this, why would this shooting impact on you personally? How do you feel? How, how did you feel after that when you read about that? Well, this one also just broke my heart because first of all, these officers 
used a battering ram to knock their door down. She and her boyfriend were in her apartment, and they got an order from a judge. It's a no-knock order. And the police officers said to the judge, we think her place is being used for drug transportation. Mm. They found no drugs after the fact, but they went in with a hail of bullets. From what I understand, her boyfriend thought that he was being threatened, and he shot once. They shot 10 times. 10 times they shot Mm. and hit her. And she got no medical attention for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. No medical attention. They found no drug paraphernalia, no drugs, no nothing. It was, uh, for all intent and purposes, the wrong apartment. Don't we understand that that's gone down once already? Yes. That's all once, you know, and that person is appealing uh, the the uh, judgment against her. All right. When we but come, they- we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I promise you, we're going to talk about her too. But I want to end this segment at least to give a little more insight, or I should say, just a little more information about who you're listening to today. Avery Summers has worked on Broadway numerous times, and I I confess, I, I even said to Avery. I'm going to enter some of your bio throughout Q&A because it's a lot to take in all one take, and I want us to to get the message, but I'm going to give us a chance to catch our breath a little bit. We'll take a break, but to remind you that the person speaking today has worked on Broadway numerous times. She's played on the road with Broadway National Tours, performed with Regional Theater, and she's worked the nightclub circuit. Most recently, I caught up with her in our beloved New York City, where she was doing episodes of Richard Skipper Presents to play the cabaret convention and to debut her solo show for sentimental reasons. So there's beautiful art going on here, but there's truth that hurts that will set us free as well. And we'll be back to hear more of that truth from our guest today, Avery Summers. Please stay with us. Welcome to the Antifel Minute. In history class, most of us learned that the Civil War ended the institution of slavery in America. The 13th Amendment declared that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude should be legal in the land, except as a punishment for crime. It is this conspicuous loophole that award-winning director Ava DuVernay explores in her blistering documentary, 13th. Through a series of interviews with academics, businessmen, and politicians from both sides of the aisle, along with horrific historical photographs and modern video footage, 13th makes the case that slavery never disappeared in America. It only changed form. First with the Jim Crow laws of the South, then in the 80s as the war on drugs, and now with the disproportionate mass incarceration of black Americans. The subject matter is difficult, but DuVernay has edited the film so as to make it impossible to turn away. There are no moments of silence, no places to catch your breath. Hip-hop lyrics punctuate the film's segments, relentless in their plea for justice. If ever a film deserved to become required viewing across America, it would be 13th. Watch it tonight. 13th. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. 
Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and our Reasonable Voice today is a Broadway star, Avery Summers, a good friend of mine from television and film and Broadway in New York. And I always say we're like ships passing in the night. We, we, when I was living in New York City, she was living in West Palm Beach, and when she was living in New York City, I was living in West Palm Beach. But we finally met again after so many years, and we're doing a lot of catching up in ways that we feel are important. We are artists, yes, but we are people who care about all people and the quality and justice for all. My good friend Avery Summers was honored to replace Nell Carter on Broadway in Ain't Misbehaving, and she's with us today. We've spoken briefly about Brianna Taylor. We also wanted to acknowledge and did Darnella Frazier, who took the famous video that caught the murder of George Floyd in real time. And there are more uh, incidents like this, and let's just go forward for now. Former First Lady Michelle Obama has publicly Mm -hmm. confessed to having low-grade depression. Do you feel this is something uh, on a long list of challenges that are particularly disproportionately difficult for people of color, whether they're Native Americans or Latino Americans, Asian Americans, as well as African Americans, of course. But in all cases, they seem worse for female Americans. What are your thoughts? What do you have to say about that? What do you think? Well, first of all, thank you again for having me on. I do totally understand the low-grade depression because, quite honestly, I went through that about the third weekend of this lockdown. Mm -hmm. When I was told that the show that I was going to do in New York that you knew about on March 19th was not going to happen, I thought, all right, that's fine. Uh, It'll only be a week, maybe two. And then when it turned into three or four, I became a bit concerned about myself, my work, how was that going to manifest and everything. And since then, I've seen many of my friends on Facebook especially confess to the low-grade depression. One friend just put on Facebook the other day that she had been locked down. She was my company manager for several shows that I did on tour. And she said eventually it got to the point that she just had to get some food, put it in a big styrofoam container, drive 40 miles to a friend of hers, sit socially distant and talk and cry and, and catch up and reminisce about things because had she not done that, she did not know how she would continue to keep head, heart, body and soul together. And I get it. I think it is definitely something that maybe women feel a little bit more than men because we're built that way emotionally. I I just think that this whole lockdown right now is, is much longer than anybody ever thought it was going to be. So we're trying to readjust every single day. We are readjusting to how we manage our lives, our children, going back to school for the kids, all sorts of things. It's really a new normal. I, I mean, it's going to last, I think, well into 2021. I, I believe we are particularly hit by it as Americans because we, we're so used to convenience and, you know, and, and friendships. And, but this is a serious thing that we have to take serious. And, we, and those that don't are really endangering the rest of us. 
social mm -hmm. distancing and we have to do it, wearing a mask I mean these things can be done sending kids to school however I don't know how smart that is but I don't want to sound like the artists are uh, only ones having trouble with this obviously that's not the case teachers obviously mm -hmm. now are being threatened and of course all the medical staff and 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 professionals and doctors and nurses and anesthetists and you know everyone who works in any hospital these are immensely difficult but the arts were hit broadway was just shut down boom it was gone just like that just gone and just like that i finished my last directing project on march 11th and then that stopped I've done a few things online, and I can write and do radio online, and all that's good, still going, always looking for voiceover work, and so that I still do and welcome it. Uh, but, but life has changed, and to a certain degree, I think it has changed forever. Not as, ex as extreme as it is now, but I think some of these changes are a lesson we have to learn to benefit from, not just live with. Anyway, mm -hmm. back to our people on the ground. How did you come up with that? As a, as a sort of description of the people we want to talk about today? Well, you know, it just hit me, honestly. You, know, you, hear, you hear people say that all the time. It just struck me. but And it's very true because I looked at all of those such people as Darnella Taylor who are never talked about or heralded, but the thousands of young people over the course of these months that have been out there relentlessly in the rain and mm. in the all kinds of weather and the things that have happened and the the fire bombs and the smoke bombs and all of that and they are just relentless they are staying at it they have not backed away they've made some major changes already in the kinds of things that we see happening in our country and there needs to be a time in my thought that somewhere down the line, somebody is forming these groups, and why aren't they talked about? Mm. Why aren't, I mean, when we see these kinds of things happening, these groups get together so quickly, Marcello, mm -hmm. where do they come from? How does that happen so quickly that in West Palm Beach, in New York, in Chicago, in every city, almost simultaneously, these people are marching and doing that. Who is heading that? Who's heading that? How is it being funded? That's what I want to know. Those are the people on the ground, you know? Excellent. And we know more about them. I think we should, and I do think probably these grassroots activists and advocates are always out there. They're always online. They're always in, on Facebook. They are in organizations and, and don't make money. It's not like someone's paying them a lot of money to do this, but they're fighting every day off camera and online and in their organizations and in their webinars. Andrea Miller is one, for instance, Eileen Davis, you and others. I think when something like this happens, they are ready to move and move quickly because they're fighting the good fight already. We just don't see it. We, you know, That's correct. You know, on, on Friday, June 12th, this one really hit me. A 27-year-old black man named Rashard Brooks was shot yes. and killed by Atlanta police in what the mayor, Keisha Bottoms, called an unjustified use of deadly force. Garrett Rolfe, the officer who killed Brooks, ha has been fired. 
and now faces 11 charges, including felony murder. Are you impressed with this legal response, and do you expect justice for Richard? I certainly expect uh, justice for Richard, and I am. I am so pleased that there was a quick uh, slapback, if you will, from the authorities there in in Georgia. And and you know, I, I what I don't understand is how so much of this continues to happen without someone saying something, doing something more than just a slap on the wrist to these people who constantly shoot first and don't even think, ask questions later. Yeah. It used to be you know, do this first and then we'll ask questions. Well, there aren't even any questions being asked now. It's just shoot and it's another black person that's dead and it really gets my blood going. And that's why I'm so in favor of Black Lives Matter. Tell us about, since you've mentioned Black Lives Matter, we've talked about this briefly in the past, not on radio, I don't believe, but in person. My initial response when I first heard, years ago now, Black Lives Matter, my response was, all lives matter. But I've heard you most recently, and of course President Obama, try to explain that to all of us who are not African Americans, why that is essential. I remember sitting in on, uh, well, I was invited press for a campaign in 2018, and the speakers were all white, uh, the candidates, I mean, and one woman, I think, only, uh, and they and they're all liberal Democrats. I know most of them through reporting and having them on the show, et cetera. Anyway, someone yelled from the audience, "And what about Black Lives Matter?" And the response I understood was, "Well, that goes without saying." Well, the response to that from the audience, "No, it doesn't go without saying. You have to say it." Tell me what, from your point of view a female African-American. What is what is all the subtext and history balled up in the explosion called Black Lives Matter? Well, here's how I view it. And it, it came to me in one of those other flashes of, of thoughts about us uh, as African-Americans. We came here as Africans when we left the shores, when we were taken from the shores of our homeland in Africa. So many of us were kings and queens. And when we were put on those ships, in the belly of those ships, for that middle passage of time, men on top of women, women on top of men, having to live their lives that way in chains, there was the first moment when a black life did not matter. And when they were brought to the shores of the U.S., and sold like stock on a, a, a trading post and men were looked at in their butts and women were looked at in their breasts and children were snatched from their parents and never saw them again. Our black lives stopped mattering. And from then until now, there was never a moment that anybody said, oh, wait a moment, here, these people matter. Oh, gosh, let's talk about them. Oh, my, what's going on in their lives? Never have we mattered. Not one single moment. And it is now, and it is time, and that is why Black Lives Matter. And it has nothing to do with all lives mattering. Yes, 
all lives do matter. But black lives matter because we help to build this country. We helped to build this country. You didn't do it by yourself. We didn't do it by ourselves. We were in on the doing of it all. And that's why everybody can say, oh, America is great. Black lives matter. Okay. Thank you. Um, just give me a moment. I want to remind people that, uh, and I know this will upset some people, but I'm going to say it, the entire southern deep south economy succeeded only when it was uh, uh, dependent on and, and available to it the free slave labor of black men, not only men, women and children who were abused not just by their physical labor but sexually and in every other way. So when I hear Avery, and I told her, I said, don't you hold back anything. You say what you want to say. We need to understand where we have been and where we are. And time's up for what, what did Dr. King used to say? Uh, you know, no more delays, no more... Uh, give us a chance. Give us a little time. The time is up. The time, time is, is up. up. All right. I uh, I want to add one quick thing uh, and and then get another question in for Avery. My response to the movie Amistad. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot about that movie. It was historically accurate. I loved it, and and you know I I just loved it. But the mm -hmm. thing I want to share with everyone because I believe. This epitomizes what Avery is trying to teach us who are not African-Americans. There's a scene in Amistad. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry to spoil it for you. There's a scene when the slaves chained, uh, no beds, of course, on the, all chained together on the wood floor of the ship in the lower levels, that they are brought food. I can hardly say this because of the embarrassment I feel that it wasn't until I saw this moment in the movie that it occurred to me. Nobody brought knives and forks or plates or bowls. They would get hot food just dumped on them in their hands if they were lucky to catch it on the floor if they weren't. That's how they were fed. You cannot look at that and say they were treated as though they were human beings and certainly not mattered. Okay. All right, Avery. One more question. The lawyers for Amber Geiger, uh, the former police officer in Dallas, who shot and killed 26-year-old Botham Jean in his own mm -hmm. apartment, in his own mm -hmm. apartment in 2018, has, uh, the lawyers have filed an appeal against her murder conviction. She's been convicted for 10 years because Amber... Geiger contends she was confused about her location because the third and fourth floors where she and Jean's apartments were located look identical. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts you wish to share on that? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, first of all, 
I, I hope, I seriously hope that she cannot get an appeal from this. I don't think in my lifetime, and I've lived in a few apartments, that I could ever even put a key into the wrong apartment. Yes. I just don't think it's possible. So that, to me, is just a huge lie, and it was something that was manufactured to keep her out of jail and out of the limelight of the possibility of having done something wrong. There is no way in my mind, in my heart, that she can reconcile that. There's just no way. I don't believe it. I think it was a setup of, the, of a magnitude that we can barely even imagine. So, no, I, I, I've got a, uh, a, a thing stuck in my, in my gut about this. And it's wrong, and I hope she cannot get off on peels. Well, I agree, and I've had similar experiences with living in apartment dwellings. I, there's no way, first of all, the key doesn't work, as you say, and there's no way that I would ever mistake my door <laughs> for someone else's door. Anyway, okay, exactly. you know. All right, we're going to have to go very soon. I want to be reminded that you have been listening to Avery Summers, my good friend from show business and Broadway and national tours and TV with Burt Reynolds and just so much work and she's still working a great deal. Something's coming up on the horizon too at the Kravitz Center. Is that is that too soon to mention? Well, actually, it is not too soon to mention, but due to the pandemic, uh, the possibility of the Kravitz not opening this fall is a huge possibility. Yeah. So they are putting things on the website. I am on the website for people who will look on the website because people still do. I was due to do my show on the 19th of December, my new show. And uh, uh, so we are very, very excited about it. My musical director that you met, Dana Rowe, oh, you nice. met him in New York. I did my show there, and he and I have been working for about a year and a half on this new piece, and we're very excited about and thrilled about it, but I've been told that not to expect this year, to expect 2021. Okay, well, sad to say that's, uh, that's, that's where, again, the arts have first closed and last to reopen because, of course, we depend on the crowds whether it's a movie theater or a theater like the Kravitz or Kennedy Center or even a cabaret house in New York City. All right, um, we're going to have to run Avery Summers. We are, as I said at the beginning of the program, asking her to come back on the second Monday of each month. We will continue to have conversations that are pertinent to what our lives are now, politically, health care, uh, health insurance, the discrepancy between how different people of different shades, uh, hues are treated, all of that, and of course, always our showbiz careers. We hope will stay alive. Some of Avery's latest professional updates include directing the play reading of the intersection of Lincoln and Parks. It's about Rosa Parks. It's going to be performed on Saturday August 15th. Secondly, Avery is taping a video for the 100th anniversary of the League of Women Voters of Palm Beach County on August 27th, in which Avery will be singing, You're Gonna Hear From Me. 
3rd, Avery is doing a video of my showbiz stories on August 15th. And so it is. Thank you so very much, Avery Summers, for being on the show. We love you, dear, you know. And take care and uh, be safe. And we'll talk soon, yes? Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. And thank you, audience. And I just want to say, and so it is. Hugs and kisses through social distancing, okay? All right. All right. Take care. Of it. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. And now, my friend, Broadway's Avery Summers. Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice. 
thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Is all we want for Christmas a soap opera White House? Whoever expected we could white out Black Tuesday with a Black Friday trajectory blasting off between Thanksgiving dinner and traditional overstuffing on late-night turkey sandwiches? But, defying food coma and reason, are we allowing the corporate takeover of government and holidays to teeter America at the edge of night? Or is it just as the world turns? What hurled all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth into head-smashing by the last in line, crashing the first in line against the only transparency since 2017 inaugural. Mall glass doors dividing lines between lumps of cold passions and love of life. When is a bucket list a to-do list? When blinded by ambition, we've missed the days of our lives, potential for justice for all. Where do we turn when finding ourselves at the crossroads of loving and shame? Do we search for tomorrow in holiday wishes for the foresight of the Gettysburg Address, unity of the New Deal, and audacity to ask what we can do for our country? Or do we stay under a Trump cloud? Why are 40% of Americans willing to leave America adrift in dark shadows, unanchored in the secret storm, beyond the lies we tell ourselves, to something so grotesquely grandiose it Third Reich's Paul Ryan's hope into a White House of alternative facts and Senate supreme mutations determined to blot out America's guiding light? How can 75% of the Republicans still believe Donald Trump, the heretic of reality, is the birth foretold to create another world? Are his blitzkrieg salvos of disinformation tweets saving America? Is his lack of even a modicum of understanding for governance our social security? Is it his utter disregard for constitutional law, his business acumen for bankruptcy, his medieval wall of shame, his trade wars persecuting farmers, or is it his betrayal of our finest hours that makes him the conservative's choice for one life to live? Is it his vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, approach to the presidency that mesmerizes Republicans into believing he who is more potent disciple than savior of Christmas, a better president than Lincoln? Then behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. We the people need not relive our mid-19th century division, 1920s rise of KKK racism, violence of 1950s and 1960s school segregation, church bombings, Jim Crow, and iconic assassinations that will forever stain our souls. For what we think about, we talk about. What we talk about, we do. And what we do long enough, we become. Remembering our military is programmed to follow commander-in-chief orders, unless unlawful. It is for us, the ultimate civilian authority over the military, to determine through our elected members of Congress who and what is lawful. For every belligerent armed tiki torch assailant inciting domestic violence, millions more define America by peacefully tipping the scales of humanity away from unrelenting fear-fueled hate toward our good Samaritan within. Resistance to torture, private prisons for profit, caged refugees is paramount to strengthen our ballots for America's self-preservation. 
until they defeat the supremacy of anti-diversity bullies. For America to survive post-IED Trump, Giuliani, and McConnell, piercing the foggy bottom of smoke screens, Pence, Nunes, and Jordan, we must dust off the ideals of our founders and bestow them to those we bequeath the best denial of the worst of climatic times, with less than adequate intentions for all my children. Although we have always been a nation divided, every man, like General James Wilkinson, is outnumbered by Americans more akin to Marine Corps Major General Smedley Butler, Sojourner Truth, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Rosa Parks. Isn't what we really want for the holidays more than a do-over on our journey to meet Joe Black without death and taxes? Better a dasher navigate us through soaring dreams come true, and if not a dancer, at least a joy to the world prancer for peace. We deserve more than midnight cheeseburgers and vixen peep shows diffusing the Camelot comet of our youth, for still our torch for all yearning to breathe free promises humankind we're Cupid. Our holidays could make every day less about pushing and shoving for deal-makers' deals and more welcoming to the wisdom of opportunity-seeking our future-oriented courage as stewards of all life on Earth. After Donner, however, defining intentional deceptions from campaigning candidates and even elected officials as high crimes and misdemeanors might be our dearest reigning in of past sins. Unplugging a red-nosed Rudolph Giuliani, we discover without moral leadership, no infrastructure, grid, or science can guarantee we prevail. Soaring with blixem above pettiness and greed, however, reveals our national purpose depends on the company we keep, and our individual destiny, the midnight star we follow, distributing the precious gift of communication, listening. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.